And we are live. The red light is on. The counter is counting. And we are here for Wrestling This Trash. 50 filthy fucking episodes of the goddamn show. Yes, five times, five times however many to get you 50. There you go. I, I hate math. Wow. That was bad, D Rob. I'm sorry. But uh, joining me on this festivus of professional wrestling. See, I got my Randy Orton pose right here. Show off my <laughs> tattoos because the anomaly in here is sporting his and shit. Yeah, I even got in a rotating the chair. Do my, uh, what is that, Robert Rude? Glorious. <laughs> but anyway, we're here celebrating 58 episodes of Wrestling This Trash. And um, joining me for this momentous occasion is some of the founding fathers of this show. Um, quick backstory. The Random Rambles with Rob, which is the main show that I host, you can see all the advertisements in the background and everything, was originally going to be a professional wrestling broadcast. But I listened to a, a lot of uh, people that I respect in the wrestling broadcasting game and, you know, a little bit behind the scenes work with that stuff, just, you know, taking notes, being up on the dirt sheets, rumors, all this other bullshit. And I was just like, yo, tranquilo, homeboy. That's too much for me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I fly by the seat of my pants. I make everything up as I go because uh, this is truly the randomness of me. So... I was like, fuck that couch. But over time, you know, I, I run into people who know that I'm a fan of professional wrestling. And they always bring up wrestling to me. They always, uh, I, I don't know how it looks on y'all screens, but diagonal down here, one Mr. Anacelli always texting me and calling me, talking about professional wrestling and whatnot. And then me and Anomaly share a kinship as far as New Japan goes because I'm relatively new to it and he's a little bit more of a... Um, a connoisseur, if you would, and he's been hit into the game of wrestling this, uh, of not wrestling this trash, uh, New Japan and whatnot. And we have one below me. I don't know how it is on your screen. Is a uh, one Jay Sandlin, who have I have dubbed as the wrestling this trash historian. He's been what's up? <laughs> if we had more screens, it'd be like the Brady Bunch. It'd be talking to you, hey man. <laughs> Man, I hate living under you. You are a terrible, terrible roommate. I'm sorry. I, ah. I'm trying try to uh, reschedule my tap dance lessons while you're at work. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got Jay Sandlin here, whatever, just opening my eyes to different ways to help run and produce this show, um, bringing up historical facts about professional wrestling and tidbits, you know, otherwise unknown to the common wrestling fan. So, tidbits. Yes, tidbits. That makes me, that makes me just think puppies. Yeah, <laughs> tidbits on wit talk, on wit bits. Wit, all right, fuck it, all right, anyway. Um, that was another bad one. You could boo me. I wish I had my sound effects in here. Does it work? No? I don't think y'all can hear it. I can hear it just fine, though. <laughs> but um, here we are to celebrate 50 freaking episodes of this goddamn train wreck. <laughs> So what are we going to do for this momentous occasion? We're going to talk about our top five favorite wrestling matches slash moments in our time of knowing professional wrestling. And then we will follow it up with the top five what ifs in wrestling history. You know, what if, you know, your aunt was uh, had balls, would she be your uncle? What ifs like that? I don't know. That's how it works sometimes. I don't know. Um... So, who, who, who 
would like to share their first of the time. Oh, I'll go because I'm the young buck. Super kick. So I went off pretty much like things that I either witnessed live or just things I lived through that I just were iconic for me for certain reasons. My number five one, I don't know if you guys remember Armageddon 2005. It was here in Providence, Rhode Island. It was Randy Orton versus The Undertaker inside Hell in a Cell. Yes. And that was one of the first times I saw Taker live. I absolutely loved him. It was crazy seeing a Hell in a Cell match. Because back then in like 2005, there wasn't a pay-per-view like it is now. You didn't see it as often as you see it now. You know what's going to happen. So that to me was just crazy. Because I was, I think I was in like seventh grade. And Armageddon was always on my birthday weekend. And this year, I believe that year was actually on my birthday. So I got to go live for my birthday. Just seeing it, it was pretty cool. And then like, I guess the sadness part of it, it was the first pay-per-view I believe they did uh, following Eddie Guerrero's passing. Um, so they did a lot of like memorial for that. Um, not trying to bring up another past guy, but that's when they were doing, I believe it was Booker T and Chris Benoit in that best of seven series for the U.S. title. <sighs> Those were pretty good matches. I got to see that. So, But yeah, just seeing The Undertaker win, have the whole urn, get on top of the cell. You know, he was obviously in 2005, he was in his prime. So to me, it was just like, I don't know, I feel like I was witnessing history, even like I said, because I was so little. Uh, number four, it's actually fairly recent. Um, watching Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles at Money in the Bank Live last year. Even WWE, they put that in their top 10 matches of the decade. And I don't know if you guys remember, that was just friggin' an amazing match. And that's like, you know, AJ Styles, you got the best in the world. Then you got Rollins, who's the champ, who at that time still a face. So one of the random times random. No intended, <laughs> that they had the face versus the face. And like I said, I thought it was an amazing match. So much back and forth. You never knew who was going to win. Uh, number three, I went with Taker, quote unquote, retiring in 2017. Ugh. Because, like I said, I've been a huge Taker mark from the get go. Mm. Yeah, retiring. He's done, I actually counted. I think he's done like six or seven matches since then. But Sorry, um, son of a bitch. at that time, I remember I think I was actually texting Rob, but yeah, you know, you've seen him drop the coat, the hat, the gloves. Kissed his wife on camera. I'll admit, I got teary eyed. I thought that was the end of my favorite, one of my favorites of all time. I would say probably favorite because The Rock left a while, you know what I mean, before that. But you know, I was like, damn. Like, damn. Like, I was, I was really bothered. I didn't think I was, and I still haven't seen him since. But anyway, so that was just iconic to me seeing that because obviously that would have transformed the whole business as you see now when he actually, quote unquote, retired in the last ride. Thank you, Taker went around crazy on the internet. Friggin' they dedicated episodes to him on SmackDown and stuff. It's a fucking work. <laughs> Number two, I went with uh, Rob when I would get Kofi winning at WrestleMania. Yes. That was that was sick. You know, between the history of, you know, seeing an African-American, you know, win the WWE title, like, for the first time. And then just Kofi, at the end of the day, that dude is the underdog and that dude's been delivered shit for some of his career yeah, and just yeah. because you know one unfortunate person's injury you know led to kofi in the end he actually had a good reign i thought when like well over 100 days and stuff but just seeing that 
and just seeing like the people around me, like seeing people like teary eyed and stuff like that, watching it and you know, nothing wrong with that, but it was just sick. Like me being there live, I think that should have been the main event. Yeah. Um, me jumping up and down, clutching my Kofi Kingston shirt, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rob was losing it the whole time. We, Rob, that day we were there, Rob just kept thinking of scenarios of how somehow Kofi was going to win and then Lesnar would come out. And then, yeah. as we all, then none of us knew, but Lesnar and Rollins started the show, and Rob was like, shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, fuck, he going to come out later and goddamn steal the belt from Kofi or some shit, or Paul Heyman going to pull some shenanigans and challenge him, and he going to whip his ass, which ultimately kind of happened later yeah. on down the line is how he ended his title run to Brock Lesnar and some fucking bullshit. But it's funny because Kofi's in the ring, like, celebrating with the shirts, the actual WWE belt, not the planet belt. His kids, Rob was just like, I'm happy, but get the fuck out the ring. Get the fuck out the ring. <laughs> I was like, fade to black. Fade to black. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> Rob's, Rob's thinking, quit while you're ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Rob, I would have to say that uh, I, I think the way that his title reign has ended almost threw a lot of cold water on it for me. Kind of in a way. I, I, it was almost like one of those, um, you know, those epic war movies or a movie about a, a lone warrior fighting with his uh, band of misfits and shit. And, you know, they've been through so many battles. They've been to, you know, conquering lands and all kind of other crazy shit. For a motherfucker to trip over a rock and hit his head and die. You know? He'd just be like, uh, not like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going off topic here because I need people's opinion. Just came to head, but my head, but friggin'. Remember, like, in, like, the 2000s, like, the Attitude Era, late 90s, 2000s, you would have a lot of title reigns in a year. Like, Triple H is, what, well, a 14-time champion, but yeah. sometimes he'd only hold it for a month. They would change the belt a lot. I think they need to bring that back. Mick Foley's combined title reigns equal less than 60 days with the WWF championship. Um, Almost sound like Sasha Banks. Yeah. yeah just, I think she's, had, I, she's had more, but, you know. Because yeah. you got to think, like, think about it, McIntyre, if, when he loses the title, will he ever get the title again? Kofi will probably never get the title again. Like, you know I hope that's, mean? yeah, and I hope that's not the case. I hope Kofi does get the title again. Absolutely. It, it raises a good question. What actually makes a great title reign? Mm -hmm. Is it the length of time? Is it the quality of your entertainment? Is it your rivalries? You know, you can have a yeah. short title reign with great rivalries and be mm -hmm. memorable. Or is it the way that you won the belt? Sometimes that's all the people remember is how you won it. I'd say like Daniel Bryan and Chris Benoit are examples of that. Mm -hmm. We see it as a great reign, and, and Kofi will be like that as well. It's a great reign because of how he won it. You couldn't top the moment. I think the way he lost it, though, because he was in that position as being, you know, the first African-born uh, WWE champion, I think it was cheap in the way they took it off him. I don't think – I think it was almost borderline disrespectful mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So yeah, they, and then they just and then, and then almost in my mind, you know, they when they announced the teams. match and everything with uh, Brock and uh, Kofi or whatever, I was like, God damn it, it's going to be competitive this time. It's going to be revenge for Beast in the East when he tossed Kofi a fucking around and shit. And I was like, seven seconds. Oh, damn. And he hadn't gone. That was the point. That was almost to say, we, we let you do this, but you've not gone anywhere since Beast in the East. 
you're, you're still what we need you to be. And that's the transitional guy, the opener, the put on a great match, but you're not more than a hell of a hand. You're yeah, a mechanic. Yeah, it was almost like, uh, just be lucky what you got, motherfucker. <laughs> and when someone is seen that way, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying it's a, a race issue. Some people make it a race issue. But I think in general, when someone is seen that way by management, by Vince, and now I guess by Triple H, it is very hard to move up from that position. The only way you can really do it is by establishing yourself as a great interview, which is yeah. how uh, Steve Austin was brought in to be a mechanic, to be a worker. That's why they gave him that ringmaster gimmick and put him in the million dollar man's shadow. They didn't think, they didn't know he could interview the way that he could. They just need to do things more different, though. Like, and then I'll go into number one, but like, think about it. It's always the, it's the past, I'd say, since 2014, who's going to be the underdog to finally beat Brock Lesnar? They're going to win the Rumble, then they're going to win at Mania. And think about it, when's the last time when the title wasn't vacant? I can only think of one, at least I can. When the title changed that wasn't WrestleMania or SummerSlam. The last like five years, the only one I can think of is when The Fiend just won in Crown Jewel at Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But think about it, when do you, when like, think about it, we all know neither about, well, the Swamp match, I guess, isn't for the title, but. There was always uh, Rock taking it off Punk so they could give us Rock Cena too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't have been so mad at that decision because obviously at the time, or even now, how often will you have the rock? You know, so I wasn't too mad with that decision to put the strap on him, but I was fucking pissed because CM Punk lost one of the longest, you know, I think that was when he was on his title reign streak, right? Long, yes. Longest reign in modern era history and all this other bullshit. Yes. This motherfucker lost to goddamn people's elbow. What the fuck? <laughs> it did, I agree. It did, I thought it would take a couple of finishers. You know, it, it wasn't a WrestleMania event, but it should have been treated like a WrestleMania. It wasn't, it wasn't even multiple people's elbows. You know, I don't even think he took the rock bottom in that whole match. And I agree with you. I agree with you, B-Rob. And then I'll add on um, amendment on the floor. I would have forgiven this heinous act had they merely given CM Punk the main event at WrestleMania with The Rock. Um, Punk had earned that spot. He had had this whole summer of Punk, year of Punk that had been derailed. But if he had main evented WrestleMania against The Rock, it would have really redeemed that whole title reign and season of Punk. And Rock would have put him over because he put Cena over and he wasn't going to be around to defend the title anyway. So that, that's my opinion. Yeah, and that, if that happened, we would still have CM Punk in WWE today. And that, that's their problem, too, though. They, they think big matches need the title. Like when Lesnar and Goldberg fought at Mania and Goldberg was champ. They could have had that match and then made Kevin Owens versus Jericho for the title. Right? Then this year... They did not need Goldberg and Roman Reigns to be for the Universal title. That is a big match itself. That easily could have been the Fiend versus Cena for the title, and we all know result, same result would have happened. Cena would have put over the Fiend. But instead, you have, which we saw a bronze match, which I was happy for on one, obviously, but that probably would have been damn near the same thing with Roman. There was no way that was going to be a long competitive match. Spear, 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 spear. Roman gets four, Goldberg gets three, is it? That's a big match feel though in itself. But yeah, then I got number one, 
Um, like I said, this is like the young, the young boy to me. I still think it's great, but like I said, I was little, like very little when I was watching it live. But I was a big fan of the WCW, WWF invasion. Now I know people who were older were like, damn, that sucked. And I look back at it, they didn't get all the big stars like they could have. Like the NWO, Goldberg, Sting, none of them came. They got Booker T, I think, was the biggest star, I think, that came from WCW. But I'll never forget watching the Survivor Series, the winner takes all. And I was like, like I said, I was a little kid, so I didn't know any of this shit was scripted or anything like that. So I'm watching it at my house, like jumping around going nuts, because I'm like, the WWF can't lose, they can't lose, the company can't end, they can't end. And then when Kurt Angle came out, hit Austin with the title, rock bottom, and then Vince comes out, like raises his arms. Remember, I was like, oh, like, what is it, 2001? I was like seven or eight, and I was just running around my house, like losing my shit. So I was like, yeah, we won, we won. We won, right? We did it. <laughs> I said, so that was mine because I was like, my true, like, I was bought into everything that was going on. Because it was shortly after that is when I started realizing, all right, shit's getting scripted. Because just with age, it was getting to the point. But that was probably mine because, like I said, that was just insane from my perspective as a little kid's perspective. Because I thought the thing I loved that I watched every Monday and every Thursday at the time, SmackDown, was going to end. And it didn't. So, I don't know. Might be whacking your guys' opinion, but yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, well, those are mine. So The invasion angle suffered... And I, I don't know if you meant you liked the invasion angle itself or the years of programming that followed because you mentioned Goldberg and that came later than the invasion angle. He had a contract with AOL and Time Warner that he was not yeah. going to give up. And, you know, other guys like Sting, Flair, the big guys all had those as well. So yeah. you, you get the the idea of well, do they give up that guaranteed money to stay home and not risk their bodies <laughs> to sell out for a contract that may be, I think, because Booker T was one of the few that sold us out yeah. and he maybe got 50 cents on the dollar. But it's like, so, and, and in Booker's mind, he's thinking as hot as their programming is right now, I'll make that money back. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure he did. But guys, you know, who were older, you know, you've got Sting, who's already in his uh, mid-40s. He's actually the age that Ric Flair was when Flair uh, put Sting over at the Great American Bash 91. He was the same age. He was the same age Flair was then. And at the time, he and Lex Luger were good buddies. They wanted to be main eventing, and they wanted to be on top. You'll remember they kept getting put in a tag team together and moved off to the semi-main, you know, high on the card, but not main eventing for years. They had been saying to each other, player just needs to retire, you know, like he needs to let guys like us take the spot and run with it because he's too old. Sounds like somebody I know. It's, well, it's an old argument. Um, and, and frankly, Sting did get his chance on top, and Flair ended up getting the spot back. So it's not always about age. But um, yeah, in any event, that's why the invasion didn't work. They just couldn't work out the contracts for the first yeah. 90 days to six months. So they blew off the invasion angle early. Um, some have argued that Vince McMahon should have just reached in his pocket and paid the guys. And I, at, I used to agree with that until I thought, well, if Vince reaches out and pays off these million-dollar contracts to guys and then pays them top money again, 
what does that say to the rest of the roster? Hey, you know, where's my million dollar payday for, for being here and working every week? So he would have had to have not just reached in his pocket for WCW, he would have had to have reached in his pocket for his own roster too. So what do you do in that situation? I don't know. It's easy to pay, play Monday morning quarterback and judge it in hindsight. I, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know the legalities, but I would have tried to bring in every big star I could. And if I couldn't, I would wait and do the invasion when I could and gradually bring in the lower card guys to work. Okay. And then like the whole 90 day thing and whatnot, I think last night at Slammiversary was the end of a lot of these um, WWE. Who did we see? We, we saw Heath Slater, yeah. Eric Young, yeah. Carl and um, Gallows. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then EC3. Gallows. EC3. Did EC3 do anything or was he just on a video? It, it was a damn, video. It was a freaking Marvel end credit scene and shit. <laughs> so he he was doing like a uh, rock during his feud with Cena and bringing it via satellite. Got it. Gotcha. Yeah. EC3. Yeah. yeah. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. That's a handsome man. I don't mind admitting EC3 is a handsome man. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll we'll once we have a round robin top five, we'll come back around and hit the honorable mentions real quick. But uh, who want to go next? It's either me or Anomaly. What, uh, what do you say, Anomaly? I mean, I'll go if you want. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Hit it up. All right. Well, I'm a little bit older, and I really put a lot of thought into these, what I thought was I the didn't. most significant <laughs> top five. Uh, My first one, and because I'm an old-ass bastard, mm-hmm. uh. Bobby Heenan brings out the NWA title on WWF TV. To That's a good one. In Rick Flair's arrival. That was revolutionary to be. It's when a perfect talk about, Yeah, I mean, like, when you talk about wrestling, especially at that time and era, because everyone had Hulk Hogan shoved down their throat to the point to where I honestly think I was brainwashed by Hulk Hogan. I really do. That's why I say my prayers, eat my vitamins, and train on a regular basis. Hulk Hogan fucking brainwashed me. WWF brainwashed me. (laughs) But Ric Flair was the fucking man, and I knew it. Even at that age, in the 80s, I'm fucking watching Ric Flair on NWA, and I'm like, that's a damn champion. To see the big gold belt in Bobby Heenan's hands, and I knew some shit was about to go down. That was a significant moment in pro wrestling to me. Because I knew Flair was on his way and he was going to fuck shit up. And in all honesty, I think that his time in WWF at that point is underplayed. Because he really did make a significant difference. He won the Royal Rumble, third entry. Held the world title there. Showed that he was a a Class A world champion. I mean, Ric Flair did his damn thing at that point in time. Uh, I totally agree with you, especially when you what you said about the big gold belt being the one that he brings on TV, because that was such a in, in a lot of people's opinion. I mean, that's the most well designed belt there's ever been, and the way that you mentioned Bobby Heenan, Heenan being so good at what he did, the way that he brought in Ric Flair and called him the real world's champion, which if nothing else, that um, legitimized. WCW event more than it had been before. It really did. I don't know if that was an intended consequence. And WCW really hurt from losing Flair and the belt. Because uh, do you guys know why Flair had, had got to keep, legally could keep the belt? No. They wouldn't refund his money. 
He left yeah. a deposit, and they wouldn't give him his money back. So he said, "Fuck you! I'm taking the belt on WWF TV," and that's yeah. what he done. The NWA champion had to make a $25,000 deposit on the belt to hold it. We all know yep. Ric Flair loves to hold the belt and lose it. Hold the belt and lose it. That's why he's the 16-time plus champion. So he had been leaving his deposit in, in arrears. And with interest, it was over thirty grand that they owed him. So when he called uh, Bill Watts about leaving for the wwf bill watts said you know well flair you need to give me the belt and you need to cut, you know send the belt back and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later and flair said well you can write me a check for uh 25 grand plus interest and i'll see about giving you the belt back and watts just hung up on him so flair got to take it on uh what was it uh the main event show was it saturday night main event where he debuted with Heenan? Yeah. Pre Raw Yeah, Heenan debuted the belt before then, and, and he started a, um, a program with Roddy Piper originally. And Roddy Piper, he kept on throwing uh, Ric Flair and Roddy Piper's face, and Roddy Piper made the, the greatest little coin phrase I had ever heard at that point in time. He said, Ric Flair, I scare Flair. And I was like, dude, this is gold. Even at that age, I'm watching it, I'm like, this is gold. I agree it's with you. That is, yeah. And Anomaly, I really agree with what you said about his time in WWF in the 90s being underplayed. But I it I think it, I think it would the reason for that is because they didn't give us Flair Hogan at that time. They did it in house shows, but the match the matches were horrible because Hogan and Flair didn't have a good they didn't yeah. have a good chemistry. And That's um, I said, uh, I had an old Coliseum video of a dark match where it was uh, Ric Flair and Sid Vicious versus Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. Oh Hogan yeah, Flair, they did not have any good chemistry. It yeah. was bad. Well, yeah. WCW gave it to us, nineteen ninety four Bash at the Beach. Um, I thought it was actually a, a decent match for Hogan. So, well, they, if you fuck up with a person uh, enough, I mean, you'll eventually get it right. I guess. Uh, and, and, and money played a role too they for some reason didn't think that match was going to make any money because of what you alluded to the brainwashing of hulk hogan and hulk hogan doing his thing conquering the bigger giants the monsters they thought that was the bigger money match so hogan got sid that year and flair got savage which is always great but it should have been flair and hogan if he could make it with savage he could have made it with hogan it should have been. I I agree. And you know, with the WCW Hulk Hogan Ric Flair matches, they actually had four matches, and they split the four. They both won two and two. Flair cheated both times to win in the epic uh, incident where he hit um, Hogan in the in the eye with uh, Nancy Sullivan's shoe, and then Hogan yeah. came out with the wrong eye uh, bandage uh, later on in the program. <laughs> I was like, dude, kayfabe is over. Oh, my fucking gosh. So, I mean, and then uh, on an honorable note, that same era, point in era, Iron Anderson beat Hulk Hogan twice and beat Ric Flair twice in WCW. Yeah, hitting, hitting in the eye with a shoe is a little bit better than a few years later when he threw a fucking fireball in the warrior's face. I was like... <laughs> Is this fucking Super Mario Brothers or something? Did he grab the Did he grab the red flower in the ring? And he did, and he did it horribly as well. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah, it didn't even go. It went off in his own face. Yeah, yeah. 
that's called that's called shooting with the flash paper, the wad of flash paper. So that's why Hogan shot his wad with the warrior. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go on to my. Really, there's no no giggling to that. Come on. I mean, it was fun. We'll, okay. I'll go on to my second one. Uh, significant. Hulk Hogan slams Andre at WrestleMania three. This is yeah. significant in pro wrestling. It's a significant moment. Regardless if Hogan did it prior to, regardless if Harley Race slammed Andre, regardless if Antonio Inoki slammed Andre, regardless if Jerry Lawler slammed Andre. At that point in time, in 1987, Hulk Hogan slamming Andre at WrestleMania three was one of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a passing of the torch. Yeah, I, I can remember watching that as a, a young and whatnot. I didn't watch it um, as it was occurring, but I got to see it on uh, Relive It Through Video Cassette. So yes. I can remember watching those. I had historically um, a freaking a cassette tape with the first five main events for WrestleMania and whatnot. So I would usually watch that over and over again, but I seen that one on some other tape. I can't remember what it was, but I can just remember sitting in the kitchen because my mama was watching, always watching goddamn soap operas in the living room. And we had a little tiny uh, TV and VCR in the kitchen. Also, because when she was at work, she would take that additional VCR and TV and record soap operas while she was at fucking work. And I couldn't even watch shit in the kitchen because I couldn't fuck with the VCR and eat my cereal. And it was just a whole bunch of bullshit. But anyway, I was sitting in the kitchen watching this tape, and I can remember being a little kid just sitting there, just jumping up and down because he picked that big motherfucker up. <laughs> right, right. It, it, it was, it, it made Hulk Hogan a superhero. It really did. Just seeing him pick up Andre like that. Um, and you know what you said? Day. But You know what you said about uh, Kayfabe dying? There was, a, that whole program is a lot of when Kayfabe died as well. Because they just pretended that a lot of things that had happened on TV and shows before they acted like they had never happened with uh, saying Andre had never been slammed before. Or Andre had never been beaten before. Or Andre never had this, all this stuff that had happened before. He had been slammed before. He had been beaten before. But they just totally uh, did a retcon. That's just WWF, WWE revisionist history. We know, we know that to be true. Yeah, we do. Yeah. But it was pretty open. They're like, we're going to get away with this because it's going to be such a big moment. They're not going to care. And I'm sure there were people, if they'd had message boards back then, who would be like, OMG, wrestling is dead. Did you just hear what they said? Let's go in the chat rooms and complain about it. Oh, dude, I'm, yeah. I'm glad technology progressed the way it has. You know, on Twitter, they, they're tweeting Andre, you know, their hate, you know, the hate speech about his Man. gigantic. That's how it would be. Twitter ruined wrestling. Yeah. I don't know right. if it did or if it, I don't, I don't know. I think it actually ex just exposed a lot of ugliness that's always been there, like we yeah. had with the uh, speaking out movement recently, which mm -hmm. resulted in a lot of. What result? Resulted in a lot of firings and hopefully removing some very bad apples from the pool and yeah. maybe making the business you know safer for everybody. I hope. Uh, on a yeah, side, no, I agree. On a side note, uh, Anaceli, in the chat, we have one Eric Smith said he went to MOS school with you. The what? Who? Sorry? Eric Smith <laughs> said he went to MOS school with you. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up? But, uh, yeah, I, was about to say, I don't know what that is. Man of Steel school? Yes, yes, exactly. That's, that's yes, what us Marines exactly. go through. 
<laughs> Nick's kind of got Superman hair. Can you do if you can do a curl down the middle of your of your forehead? Have hey, Superman going on. I mean, if he put glasses on, he looked like a totally different person. Oh, I wouldn't even recognize man, him. I, I don't need to get off the subject, but I really hope Tim Cavill gets to play Superman again. He will. You think so? He will. If he doesn't, I'm coming after you, B Rob. I know where you live up there. Shit. <laughs> don't make me come up there. Hey man, quit shaking my shit. <laughs> you're, you're you're like Canada. You're the apartment living above that house. <laughs> All right, what you got for your third one, number? Um, this is a dark time in wrestling, but I think it's significant. The Montreal screw job. Oh, obviously. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Of all of the tradition that Bret Hart spits and spews, he killed Kayfabe completely after that match because all of the dark side of the ring shit came out. I mean, this this man just totally pulled the curtain and let everybody see David Copperfield make the statue disappear. (laughs) I mean, and don't get me wrong, I love Bret Hart. I think he's one of the greatest of all time. I don't know if he's the best, blah, 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 fucking blah, but he is fucking awesome and he was a great performer but he did he pulled the fucking veil and let everyone see the darkness and i mean the montreal screw job man it, it it changed the game we're at wrestling right now the point in junction we are at wrestling right now is because of the montreal fucking screw job so yeah. you've got to say that was a significant moment You've got to say it was a significant moment. It is a watershed moment, but I'm probably going to sound like the one wearing a tinfoil hat and suggest that maybe Kevin Nash is right. Maybe Scott Hall is right. Maybe everybody got worked. Maybe. If they did, it's the best work of all time. Yeah, and if they did, that, it's still significant. <laughs> it's one that apparently the people involved will, if it is a work, the people involved will not admit that it's a work. I think maybe they agreed to the last one living. You yeah, know, one of those. That's why I said that, that'll, that'll Whoever's left of it. Because Vince and Brett would have had to have gone old school. If Whether that happened in between them or whoever else was involved. Yeah. They all said, let's go old school about this. That would, that would probably have to be the last shred of kayfabe ever to exist and you know and, that can go uh, in the, yeah. that can go in the smithsonian if that was ever a and for scott hall for scott hall and kevin nash who you know granted were not with the company back then but in some ways they knew vince as well as anybody you know the click knew vince obviously one of them became his son-in-law so the guys know vince pretty well for them to say, you know, Vince would not let that happen on his TV if it was a shoot. You're saying that Vince let all that happen, that Vince just, what, it happened outside of his control? They're like, no, he's a controlled freak. He only let you see what he wanted to see. So, Which we saw in 2005 when he was so mad and tore both his quads. Yeah, yeah, well, that, yeah. That's also a nice moment. <laughs> I don't know. I probably I, whether conspiracy or, or really good work or not. I, I I think we may never know the true story until it's maybe like there's only one pop, baby. The world would never know. Yeah, and that that makes it that much more significant. Uh, number four. Uh, this is kind of a more recent one, and I think it's very significant. And I actually got into a, a argumentative uh, conversation with uh, one rogue dog, Jesse James, over this mm-hmm. in a wrestling group. Uh, <laughs> AJ Styles run in New Japan. 
It is very significant. <laughs> Not only sorry. his run in New Japan. Okay, his run. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. For one, yes, Jeff Jarrett brought New Japan to the eyes of the, the United States when he brought the pay-per-view here at Wrestle Kingdom 9. Yeah. AJ Styles was getting people to watch it before the actual Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-view because he was having such amazing matches with all these different fucking guys. And people were like, dude, that's AJ Styles from, from TNA. That's the main reason never, most people watch TNA was AJ I Styles. New Japan until AJ got there. Exactly. exactly. You're making this. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the Everyone match like, he had with Bullet Club stuff, I was like, and that's another thing as well uh aj styles did what i wish they would have done with cm punk that's when he took the title from uh tna and he left and he went around to different promotions defending it and whatnot and cm punk just took the belt went home for two weeks and came back with new music and i was like this is bullshit (laughs) they should have kept him off longer yeah yeah but i mean if you look at the matches aj had with Minoru Suzuki. Oh my god. I mean that that match is just probably the most hardcore fucking match you will ever see in your life. I mean Minoru was hitting him with some fucking bombs in that match. And, and AJ and, just took it like a G. And what what I what amazes me about New Japan is the competitors that they have. Like one you mentioned there, Minoru Suzuki. Old ass motherfucker, but moved like he in his twenties and thirties and shit. I'm just like, yeah, damn. And I mean, Minoru Suzuki is my hero on so many different levels. I mean, he was in Pan Crace before he even was a pro wrestler. I mean, this dude tapped Ken Shamrock out twice. Well, I mean, he's he's one bad motherfucker. He's probably one of the most craziest son of a bitches alive. Yeah. He could fight Haku. Yeah, he probably could. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it because if it happened, I believe the world would implode on itself. <laughs> I think Haku would bite his nose off. And I think Minoru Suzuki would bite something else off while they were doing it, and they would both end in 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 death. <laughs> I mean, they would really kill each other. It's, it's that deep. That's why. So, I mean, yeah, I, it's like Godzilla Kong. You know, you see it starting, and there's you know there's going to be collateral damage. Yeah, yeah and everybody's going. Aye! No, it, it's a wrap. Uh, but yeah, AJ Styles running New Japan. Amazing. And I'm not just talking about his title run. I'm talking about all his matches in general. And the thing with, with um, Jesse James, he was actually in a wrestling forum group. And I had said something about this while AJ was still in New Japan. And he said, well, is any title reign more significant than the other? It's just a prop. And I basically told him, I was like, and dude, that's why you're failing. Because you're that far back that you really think the title belt is just a prop when he has made this belt significant. He has reemerged the IWGP world title and made it significant worldwide and recognized as a great championship. And that's what, what AJ done. What what you should have said was like, and that's why you never held the title belt. <laughs> right. I mean, but but think about it though. Name one WWE wrestler whose title reign has been significant enough to be recognized as that is the world champion of all of pro wrestling, like AJ Styles did. Because when he held that IWGP belt, everyone said, that is the best and greatest wrestler on the planet right now. Probably. No one is better. Name Would one. Did you say Brock? No. No. Hell no. No. Brock, Brock's a novelty act. Let's just be real. He's a novelty yeah. act. Yeah. Oh, special attraction. He's a, he's a you yeah. know, he's a, 
a lot like the Undertaker was but no, for like, most of his career, really. No, but to bring up Brock, I guess too with this is like think about it. Brock, who was a big name, his first run WWE, then did UFC where he held the title. Yeah, no, I think it was more shenanigans Lesnar with that one, wouldn't it? I mean, but see, that's the same thing. I mean, even in UFC, Brock was a fucking novelty act. Let's bring this big son bitch out here. He's 320 pounds, six foot four. Let's bring him out, put him in the octagon against our guys. Oh my gosh, this motherfucker just won the world title from Randy Coulter. Okay, he's a novelty act. Not taking nothing away from him. The guy is NCAA wrestling champion. The guy's won the WWE championship. He won the New Japan IWGP championship. Won the UFC championship. He played for the Minnesota Vikings. The dudes did a lot. He's still a fucking novelty act. He will always go down as a novelty act. He's a big shaved fucking gorilla. He's a novelty act. <laughs> we got a. We got a uh, Eric in the yeah, chat saying. Uh, we got Eric in the chat saying that. Um, you can probably look at Triple H to maybe be that. It can be an anytime champion, just like when you mentioned, you know, one of the greats to ever hold the title. You say Triple H come up in that conversation. Would you really say that there was a point in juncture that the entire world agreed Triple H was the greatest wrestler on the planet, like they did AJ at that time? No. Exactly. Maybe when he came back from his uh, injury. Because in 2002, when he that yeah, was probably when he was at the top of his face game, and I think after that he suffers a bit because he, there will always be those to turn their nose up at him and say you were protected by the machine, you know, you were put here, and I don't think he really deserves that because I think he is great in his own way too. And but he's always but and he knew he was going to have that. I mean, when he got to he had no illusions that people would you know use his relationship as a way to make an excuse all the greats have people who never made it great who will give reasons as to why this person made it and they did it spoiler alert it's rarely their own fault i appreciate um you know his role in wrestling history because it got him to where he is now and i believe he's doing a lot of good for the company and some in the wrestling business so if you took all that away from him I don't think we would get what we got now with current yeah. Triple H, and I would be very sad if we did not have that. I cannot wait for him to run that company. I honestly think Triple H is an underrated in-ring performer. I like his yeah. style. It's got that throwback Harley Race style to it. He, he A lot of the moves that he uses in his arsenal, he took from a young Harley Race. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that. You, he studied Harley to a T. He really He's got that. He just has that superstar like vibe to him. Like even to this day, when he wrestles once a year, usually at WrestleMania, like he just has that big superstar feel. Just from his entrance to you got to think like just everything. I agree with you 100. Triple H in a weird way changed the game because you can ask like you ask ten people, the they're game? all gonna know. Dun, dun. They're all gonna know the guy who puts water in his mouth and spits it out. Spits it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to give Triple H his props. I will always give him his props. Mm-hmm. I was a fan of his when he was terrorizing. So, I mean, I'm going to give him his props. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree. I agree. We all know that Triple H is a spitter. Yeah. Oh, oh, come on now. <laughs> yeah. I was just repeating he what he said. Vince McMahon. He only swallows Vinny Man. I just don't want him to let Vince McMahon take Karrion Cross from him. Because Karrion Cross is that dude right now. Kill a cross. Big fan of his. Anyway, sorry, you can continue. 
right, and the last one, and I didn't put these in chronological order, just so just throw them throw them out any way you want. The birth of the NWO at Bash at the Beach and Hogan's mm-hmm. heel turn. Significant. We cannot right. talk about pro wrestling without that moment. Hulk Hogan was the most hated man on the pro wrestling planet. I think uh, Hogan's I'll never best work it. was NWO Hogan. Yeah. And I mean, I'll never forget Tony Schiavone saying, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, you could just go to hell. I was like, yes, yes, that just made it go. And uh, a lot of people will say I'm bullshit when I say this. I knew Hogan was turning heel that night. I knew he was the third man. I told everyone he was bullshit, the third man. And no one, <laughs> seriously, I'll never forget it. I was, uh, I was 18 years old when that happened. And I told everybody, I said, watch, Hulk Hogan hasn't been on TV. Hulk Hogan is turning heel. Hulk Hogan is the third guy in the NWO. Well, the third guy in, in the Invaders back then. We didn't even know the New World Order. Right. And Hogan really fucked up when he done it. Because if you watch the back video nowadays, he originally says, the New World Organization. And um, there was a lot of little things Hulk Hogan flawed up on doing the interview with Mean Gene after the match. But, I mean, the whole incident with the guy jumping over and getting his ass kicked by crawling in the ring and the ring getting paper thrown at it and everyone booing Hulk Hogan and Tony Schiavone telling him to go to hell. That was a significant moment in pro wrestling, and that is my top five. Man, you, can't, you couldn't be more right with your last one. Not only that, it, uh, it made the coolest wrestling T-shirt of all time. Don't add me. Let's say I have, one in, my room. I have one in my room right now. It's the coolest wrestling T-shirt of all time. Fight me. Now you're up. Oh no, no, no! We, we got Mr. Sandlin. You gonna save me? That's what last. I said. I was pointing at him. Oh well. Wait. Yeah. Yarka. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So, in thinking about these what ifs and these top moments, um, and I don't want to overlap because a, a couple of mine anomaly had, but um, I have a book out. I don't know if you guys know about it or not. I know. Oh no, do it. tell. I, I've never heard of such a thing. You never heard of it? Well, I'm the I'm the author of the comic series uh, Over the Ropes for Mad Cave Studios. It's got five issues of a underdog wrestler. Going off script and stealing the title to become pres- uh, you know, champion of the Southern Territory in year 1991. So it's uh, we just released issue five um, last month, and in August, the complete trade paperback will be available for the first time. So all five issues together in the trade. That's what I want. Well, you can order it. I'll, uh, I'll give you the link. You can order it right now. It's for pre-order at uh, madcavestudios.com. They're uh, running 14 bucks for the trade paperback, and it's a digital and paperback if you like, which, which, whichever you prefer. And that's, I, less, I, that's less huh? than two cups of coffee at Starbucks. Yeah, and especially when you leave a tip. Yeah, I don't even ask for a tip. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> but when I was writing over the ropes and creating the characters and coming up with it, I had to think about what are some real life areas in wrestling that i'd like to parody you know what are things that happen in wrestling history so there's a definitely a montreal screw job in there that was one of them and there was also definitely a heel turn 
So my first moment is going to build off what Anomaly said with his number one, the NWO Hogan heel turn. They didn't know for sure if Hogan was going to go through with that heel turn. Yeah, because he had been talks about that later after the fact. They had asked him a year prior to do a heel run, probably something like what they did with the Taskmaster, where he put on black makeup and paints and became like a darker Hulk Hogan. They had talked to him about turning all heel at that point. He said no, he wouldn't do it. So the backup plan, if Hogan had not gone through with it, the third man was going to be Sting. So my question is, what would have happened if it had been Sting? It, would it have had the same impact? Probably not. No. It would have gotten a big reaction. It would have gotten the pop. It wouldn't have gotten the same reaction as Hogan did with people hurling trash in the ring and you know crawling into the ring to actually try and stop him and, and such. I, and, and Tony Schiavone probably wouldn't have said, you know, Sting, you can go straight to hell. No. <laughs> maybe, he would, maybe he would have. I don't know. But in any event, then we would have also lost the Sting and Hogan program. That was the best told story of 97. Um, the botching of it notwithstanding. That actually leads me into my fourth point. What would have happened if the uh, main event of Starcade 97 had not been botched and Sting just came in and beat Hogan the way everybody wanted it to, the way everybody expected to? Nobody would have ever complained about the match ending for that match being predictable because everybody just wanted to see Sting win. That's what they were paying to see. And we really didn't get to see it. We got the moment with the belt. We got the celebration at the end. But it came after a string of WTFs, botches, and just confusion. So... I don't know what would what, what would have would WCW have continued that good momentum? A lot of people said that was their moment that they uh, really got the winds taken out of their sails heavy and never got it back. Any any opinions on there, anomaly? Or? I agree. They fucked up. And if if I would have been them, I would have caught an audible and just left it at that. And because clearly it was a clean pin. By Hulk Hogan, I would have called the audible and just left it at that, and somehow brought Bret Hart in to beat Hulk Hogan and change the whole fucking game. I mean, I I know I fucking hate to say it because it was the game build up was so big, but, but you're right. They, they, fucked they, up. they almost didn't have the the second. If they had called an audible, it would have had to have been an in the moment decision by that second because the announcers immediately started saying that was no pinfall we're not even going to acknowledge that three count that was no three count we fast counted him and you watched that like no we didn't i remember i I went to blockbuster and rented that vhs all the time and i was rewinding it hold hold on jay hold on jay uh nick blockbuster it was a place where you could go i know what blockbuster I would rewatch yeah. that three count over and over again, trying to figure out what am I missing? How is this a fast count? Well, it must be because right. the announcers are saying it. Mm. Yeah, it, it was a clusterfuck. And it showed that they had no organized discipline whatsoever in their show. If that would have been Benny Mac just being real, he would have caught an audible and said, look, we fucked up. Neither A, we were going to have to do something on the spot oh. or B, 
everybody leaves and we'll re-record this match. And Nick Patrick, happen Nick Patrick would have been fired. Yeah, definitely. Nick Patrick would have been he, fired, no question. He was he fired by Eric Bischoff? No. no. In fact, Eric Bischoff had a conversation with him about it, but didn't even raise his voice. Uh, he talked about it on his podcast, 83 Weeks. And if you want to hear more about why the Sting uh, booking happened the way it did, his podcast is available, uh, 83 Weeks. But he basically said he had a conversation with Nick Patrick where he said, Nick, what the fuck? Nick said, sorry, messed up. And that was Eric's side of things. Nick Patrick's side of things is that Hogan told him to slow count Sting. To make him look better. So I don't know. That's it's a lot of hearsay. Yeah. It's definitely a dark spot in WCW. It really knocked the wind out of their sails. Well, WCW has many dark spots uh, from where they, you know, shit their pants till they closed. But there were that kind of leads to my next point. There were many times in this Monday night war where the leads were traded quality of programming would vary. But generally speaking, you had two very entertaining shows. And then WCW just went downhill and never recovered. So there were many times that they could have righted the ship and that it could have been recoverable. What was it, though, that really put WCW down? A lot of people say it was the finger poke of doom. In my opinion, it was Hogan Warrior. What do you got? Shit, Hogan Warrior, Finger Poker Doom, goddamn Taser to the Goldberg and shit. So, uh, yeah, so like when, when could they have still turned things around? You know, at what point did you just say, click, I'm changing the channel and I'm not going back? Jeff Jarrett laying down for Hogan. Mm-hmm. You, made it pretty, you made it pretty far then, relatively speaking. Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. Of people and I mean, I'm a, I'm a Jeff Jarrett mark. So, like, I was loving Jeff Jarrett's run when he came back. So, I was just loving to see Jeff Jarrett succeed because I had been watching Jarrett on TV since he was 16. You're so, I was right doing that. Yeah, you're right. Because, and people swapping shows so quick was yeah. exciting. We don't get that now. We're talking about people showing up on Slammiversary and it's 90 days later or whatever. Jeff Jarrett was performing on a pay per view the night before. That's yeah. something that would rarely, if ever, happen now because of Jeff Jarrett, because they don't want people doing that. <laughs> right. Jeff Jarrett was on a pay-per-view one night where he held up Vince McMahon for $300,000, um, had it wire transferred to his account before he would go on stage and lose China because they had let Jarrett's contract expire and nobody noticed. And so when he went out that night for the pay-per-view, he said, yeah, I'm not feeling this, Vince, unless I get the money owed to me. He thought he was owed some money. Um, other people say he just asked Vince for the extra 300000 to work without a contract that night. So I don't know. You can draw your own conclusions, but Vince wired him the money, and then he showed up on Nitro the next night. And then that's the next what if moment, the night of the simulcast, when Raw shows up on Nitro and basically says, We won. And I haven't been watching Nitro in a long time at that point. I think I was in fifth grade at the time. And I, I hadn't been watching it for a while, but for some reason I just turned it on that night. And I'm glad I did because there was Vince McMahon 
on fucking TNT. This is almost like if Hitler was standing on the yard of the White House <laughs> saying, the Nazis have won the war. That's what it was to a WCW fan. My that was extreme. That's what it fucking was. And there he was, just said, you know, I'm I'm kayfaving, obviously, but this yeah, was yeah, a big yeah. fucking deal to see this character. That's how evil Mr. McMahon was on TV. Mr. McMahon, he comes strutting in, you know, he's strutting in every week, no chance. He's telling Stone Cold that he better get his act together and act like a champion. And Stone Cold is guzzling beer, kicking him in the stomach and giving him a stutter. That's my number one. Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin um, decided the Monday Night War. It's the best story ever told in wrestling, and it made the business. Anyone want to fight me on that? Uh, I actually had that down as one of my honorable mention was the the birth of Austin 316 because Austin <laughs> ran it. He, well, did, he did. He as funny, for those are two different things in my view. Um, Austin 316 happened at 96 King of the Ring, where it was King of the Ring, where it was supposed to be Triple H winning, but because of the curtain call, he got asked. Yeah. yeah. So now Steve Austin, a lot like Kofi Kingston, Steve Austin, this guy who wasn't supposed to be in this spot, gets the spot. He and gets he a chance to make an impression, and he gave he gave us Austin 316. And it was one of the greatest. After match interviews in the history of pro wrestling, and that oh, was not it. And it was it was all organic. You could tell because he's he oh, just yeah. whoops Jenkins makes ass. He's like, you talk about your songs and your John three sixteen, Austin sixteen three sixteen just said I whooped your ass, man. That and was great television. And 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 I mean, just even off, listening yeah. to those words come out of his mouth, that there was no way in hell. That there was a writer's table, round table meeting no. or whatever, and somebody's like, <laughs> no. hey, say this shit. <laughs> yeah, no. And the context makes it even better because Jake Roberts, everybody even knew back then when there were just dirt sheets that Jake Roberts had substance abuse problems. Yeah. And when he came back on the show, he was doing his born-again Christian gimmick where – and I, I call it that because it was an act, and I think he's admitted that. Um, but he comes out and now his snake, Damien, has been renamed Revelations. And he talks about how God's changed his heart and shit. And Austin just beats the shit out of him and says, you talk about your job. Yeah. And I, he, after that, he it wasn't immediate because I, he wasn't even on TV for a couple of weeks after that promo. They didn't have they didn't know he was going to do that. They didn't have any plan for it to get that reaction. But yeah, that storyline, I, I just I think everybody related to it because whether you were a kid in school or a guy at work, everyone had a boss or a teacher or someone that they just wanted to drink a beer in their face, kick him in the stomach, give him the thing. <laughs> That's why it worked, I thought so. Yeah. I had every Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt that I could ever get my hands on. See, even even the bionic redneck one that was terrible well, who, not, who not the that was, that was a bad nickname who the fuck nicknamed him the bionic redneck really well because well shit he had the you had the broke neck he had the fucking two knee braces and shit so i mean he was the bionic man <laughs> and his real name was steve williams uh-huh right 
and the the person who sold him he couldn't wrestle at Steve Williams was um, Zeb Coulter, also known as Dutch Mantel, who was uh, he was the booker for the territory that Steve was working when he first started. And he said, "What's your name?" He said, "Steve Williams." He said, "No, you can't be Steve Williams. We got Doctor. There's already a Doctor. Yeah, there's already Steve, Steve Williams." <laughs> What, what, what are you what are you going to be he's like i don't know he's like well you got 10 minutes to figure it out then he came back 10 minutes later and said what's your name going to be he said i still don't know like, what town are you from like austin. austin so if steve williams had been born in um you know i'm trying to think of like a really wimpy name for a town. waco <laughs> actually it's steve, steve waco, waco. Steve Waco is kind of a badass wrestling name, so no, that's not yeah. <laughs> Steve El Paso. <laughs> he, lived in Fair, he lived in Fairview. Well, shit. What if he was from here? Steve Houston. There you go. <laughs> Steve Houston. Then you just then then uh, Bobby Heenan would never stop saying, "We got a problem. We got a problem. Houston, oh, yeah. Houston." Yeah, I'm glad that wasn't the case. <laughs> right. What you got for us, Rob? You have Jim Ross in there. Houston, Houston, we got a problem. <laughs> Jericho, Jericho, we got a sassafrier, sassafrier. All right. Is it, is it on me? Yeah, that's yeah, the best for last. Oh, snap. So there's going to be a running theme with mine, and a lot of them just kind of run into each other and whatnot. But my number one is the Mark Henry retirement. Well, not my number one, right. first on the list. <laughs> so whenever Mark Henry came out there in that salmon-colored suit when uh, John Cena was in the ring and everything, and he was announcing his retirement, I think he even brought his uh, boots out there with him, yeah. now, which is symbolic of, you know, wrestler leave his boots in the ring, he's going to uh, retire. So he came out there, and he hit him with the flim-flam, world's strongest uh, slam, and we have the freaking title feud between John Cena and Mark Henry, and I love every goddamn minute of it. I was shocked. I was surprised. I was like, I thought this motherfucker was really retiring because I think at that time, to me, he was older. Yeah, and it was just like he ain't doing shit. He just running around the ring, smiling and shit with his with his nice braids and shit, with his hairline in the back of his ears and shit. So I was like, yeah, man, this dude can retire. And but but oh boy, did he hit me with the flim flam? I was I was he really shocked won that, at that. Though. They dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, they they did, but I mean, it is what it is. But I, I really love that whole thing, and it just, even when they show clips and highlights of it today, I'm just like, that motherfucker got me. He got me good. <laughs> did you hear him at the Hall of Fame when he got inducted, and he put the jacket on, and it was huge on him, first off. And then he was like, I'm not done. And then he called out like Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, whatever. And then he's like, nah, I'm just playing. He's like, me keep my boat. We call this the lion ass jacket. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't seen it, you have to go watch this Hall of Fame. I'll have to look that up. I I missed that one. Hall of Fame 2018. Yeah. All right. Next, in the same vein of fake ass retirements, I got The Undertaker leaving the shit in the ring. Against uh, Roman Reigns and shit. So, I mean, Nick talked about this and everything. And um, pissed me the fuck off. 
because I've historically said it on this show, my show, phone conversations with other motherfuckers that in person, in person with people. Yes, you're right. That this pissed me off to no fucking end. Not in the moment because to me it was real. It was actually happening. We were seeing a freaking iconic moment in wrestling history. The Undertaker, after buku years, he has been a wrestler as long as I've been alive. He has been a wrestler as long as I've been a wrestling fan. And I'm just like, it's an end of the era. And not too long uh, before that, I myself had retired from the military. So it was like, oh, it was hitting me all up in the freaking feelings and shit. So I was just like, boohooing and tears. I mean, I wasn't like, he retired and shit like that. But like, it was some moisture in my, my tear ducts and shit. And I said, this pissed me off because I did that shit in front of my wife. And we've been together going on 13 fucking years. I didn't watch her give birth. We didn't had marital problems and all kind of arguments and other bullshit. Not one tear shed in my motherfucking life between, you know, that 13 years. But this big tall bitch leave his shit in the ring, leave, had me boo-hoo. And that sorry son of a bitch came back. But it was a significant moment in wrestling history. One that ultimately pissed me the fuck off. All I get out of this is that The Undertaker owns you. And you can never talk shit about him. (laughs) What happened? The Undertaker owns your ass. Fuck that dude. Fuck what you say. That's why you moved to Texas. You can be close to him. No. Yeah, so I could be close to him. I could choke his motherfucking ass and kick him in the dick. Rob, you lost credibility with your Undertaker. Take that hat off. Fuck your couch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next, my third one, another fake-ass retirement. Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. One of the best retirement send-offs I've ever seen in my life, professional wrestling-wise. And this bitch would also leave to go wrestle many moons after this in another company. Well, to be fair, he was only retired from WWE, right? Shut the fuck up, Jay. <laughs> no. That bitch retired. You know, he, you know he, he's that motherfucker retired. He got retired the most beautiful list. With, with an asterisk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you're right, yeah, you're right, he, you're right. He's all, been all, on the, record. all the three things that I've mentioned so far have had asterisks on it. <laughs> he, uh, he's been on the record numerous times saying how he, like, yeah, they do it because of like alimony, divorce, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I understand not, that or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's still. He feels it, bad it, that it, he did that. Because think about that dude. That the, if you have, you, we've all probably watched that raw, where you see everyone and their mother gets their entrance, hugs them, he's crying. Charlotte Flair's there, but nobody knows who she is yet. Then it goes off air. Then they have the exclusive with the Undertaker come down and does the whole uh, Vince McMahon comes out like, yo, you got the best retirement anyone could ever get. Yeah, right. Crazy. Every Chuck Palumbo was on stage, you know what I mean. Anyone you could think <laughs> Chuck of, Chuck Palumbo. <laughs> anyone you could think of was on stage. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I understand. You know, personal like issues. Yeah, personal issues trump you know whatever the fuck, man. Because you know, I talk mad shit about the Undertaker and everything, but I've always said I may not like it personally as a fan, but I cannot wrong a man for doing what he got to do to provide for himself and his family. And if that's what the case was, or, you know, that's what it is. You know, I can't be mad at him or that, but the character, that sorry son of a bitch. No, no, no. 
Don't like it. Your next fake retirement. Close. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, one. Oh, that's the best match. And then Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, two. Those are my next two. I mean, it's one and the same, and it all led to a retirement for Shawn Michaels. This is probably what what it was. I, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one. It might have had to be the second one. But, damn, this was the only time, because I never forced wrestling on my kids, but this was the very first time that I grabbed my son and I sat him down on my lap and I made him watch this match. You know, that that's it, it meant a lot to me. I thought it was great, just the whole story being told from, you know, year to year and everything, and it was just fucking amazing. And I didn't want him to miss this shit. You know, he could probably never watch wrestling a day in his life again, but I, I can go into that good night comfortably knowing that I sat him down and made him watch at least this one match. You can even add in there, not like to that, like them, but even like Taker said in the last ride, those four matches, the two with Sean and the two with Triple H, those, that was some great storytelling for four years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Crown Jewel ruined it. <laughs> did, no, did Crown Jewel ruin it? No, I think not, sir. Anything past the end of the era match with Triple H ruined it. You know how in comic books they'll have like, you know, Elseworlds comics that don't take place in the same continuity? Yeah, that's That's, that's that's what I think. Saudi Arabia shows are non-canon. They they happened in other realities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it is just like, uh, uh, it's a what what if comic. That's what that is. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my that's my five, man. And um, I'll go around the horn real quick, and I'll, I'll mention my um, my two honorable mentions. Um, Anomaly touched on it uh, earlier. Um, one of those honorable mentions for me was AJ Styles Nakamura WrestleMania. I mean WrestleMania Wrestle Kingdom ten. You know, that that was really good for me because Wrestle Kingdom nine, which is my other honorable mention. You know, it was introduced to me, you know, Jeff Jarrett had a big hand in bringing that to the States. And and as Nick was saying, AJ Styles is over there doing tremendous shit. And I wanted to see this damn thing. So those two are one and the same because one, watching Wrestle Kingdom 9 introduced me to the greatness, which is Shinsuke Nakamura. And I was like, what? And I think that was the year he came out. He had the, uh, the freaking girls on the poles and everything. And whatnot, and oh, it was just fucking crazy. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? And why have I not seen more of this person?" Well, and right, then, he stole the show too. He stole the show too against with uh, Abushi. That was probably the greatest match in the last five years. Mm-hmm. That match is right. amazing. Yeah, do you remember? Then, so Rob just started doing his main show, and I think this was like episode two. Yeah, and it was the beginning of 2016, and I went over to his house. And we were talking, and he's like, yo, you got to watch this match. And we watched it right there with AJ and Nakamura. Because I watched a few, and I was like, damn. I'm like, we need both of these fools to come to WWE so I can see it more regularly. Granted, that match happened in WWE. Not as good, obviously. No, hell but, not as good. And then we were talking about if AJ would ever come to WWE when he yeah. would, and then like a week later, he debuted in the Rumble. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> and you know what? Um now that we speak, you bring up the Royal Rumble and everything. Jay, 
anomaly. Nick, I think we should get together again later on, and we should do you know something similar to this with the Royal Rumble. I think okay. that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, we, okay. we have that group text, so we can figure it out. Hey, man, we got damn Daniel George in the motherfucking chat. Hey, Douglas. Got damn, damn Daniel, damn Daniel. <laughs> Looking in white Chris Vans, Daniel. <laughs> but yeah, that was my my honorable mention. AJ Styles versus Nakamura, Wrestle Kingdom 10, and just being introduced to uh, freaking New Japan Pro Wrestling with the um, merger, well, not merger, the, um, you know, introduction to Wrestle Kingdom 9. So uh, what what you got, Namely, for your two honorable mentions? I know you mentioned one of them, but what was the other one? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, my first one was uh, the birth of Austin 316. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think more people should go back and watch that King of the Ring and see the match that he had prior to that with one Mark Merrill. Because mm-hmm. that match is amazing. Uh, it was honestly the best match Mark Merrill ever had in his life. And I mean, that's, that's just saying something. Because the dude was not the greatest Oh, ever. shit. You see that feature right there? I didn't know that was possible. That was fucking awesome. He I'm going to have to start owned, doing more. Hey, <laughs> me neither, man. I've never owned bands, and I got a very expensive shoe collection, so I feel you. <laughs> oh, this is That's a nice cool. photo, George. That's a nice photo, Douglas. That was fucking cool. Hey, I um, didn't know you could do that. Yeah, that was neat. I feel like we're official now. That's pretty dope. But yeah. um, my second one, honestly, is Brock beating the streak. Where it was a great mention. fucking opportunity for some old <laughs> bitch to retire. Retire, <laughs> yeah. I'm always with people when these happen. So I was with George at one of his friends' house in Lejeune um, when Brock beat The Undertaker and George was going for Brock. And I was like, dude, there's no way The Undertaker's ever going to lose WrestleMania. And he did, and we didn't, we didn't know what to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't. I'm I'm still upset the streak ended, but I mean it, it has to give honorable mention because it was a significant moment in professional wrestling when the Undertaker streak ended. Well, because I think uh, a lot of people thought right there that he was done. Yeah, he should have been. He should have been. He should have been. That loss with Rob, with, with Roman Reigns should have never happened, man. It, it, in the match, uh, come on, dude, just. You, you know what? Up. If if we can combine things and do this this elseworld shit that Jay was saying, I wish there was a, a scenario to where the streak ended at thirty, and he did the shit that he did in the Roman Reigns match at the end, where he put his gloves and his hat and his coat in the ring after that, and that bitch just ninja vanished. Well, never my, seen him minus again. the concussion, you can't never see him again. I mean, he'd have to show up from time to time. But never, well, I mean, that's fine. Did. But I, yeah. I I want to see the bitch go away, get inducted. <laughs> And um, you know, yeah, do you, do your little pop up here and there, choke slam, Rob, disappear, wait, choke Rob, slam, disappear, watch, but no fucking full matches. No, 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 no. <laughs> did you watch the last ride though, Rob? Not yet. Well, I'm gonna ruin something because I'm. Yeah, care. that's fine. You can do it. That's okay. So in the last one, he pretty much said, "I'm done getting in the ring." But if break glass, if Vince ever had to break glass in case of emergency and needed the Undertaker, I'd consider it. This, he didn't you know break it. he's going to do that. The glass is, look, the glass is all on the floor. Vince has been walking barefoot on, across that bitch for as long as forever. The glass doesn't need to be broken. It's already broken. <laughs> well, you got to put, gonna you got to put the pane of glass in the box to be broken before you can, you know, shit. <laughs> well, Rob, he's going to break it again, so suck it up. Uh, Jay, what was your honorable uh, mention? 
I think I'm I think I'm out. Very well. Nick, honorable mentions. <laughs> oh, I only had one when Flair won the rumble and he cut mm. the promo with a tear in his eye. Yes. I'd say yes. that. Word. I feel it. I had a I just had a what if, because you know we were, that's the other part, the what ifs. Uh I was gonna say, imagine like when before AEW happened, they were offering like those insane contracts to like Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny. Yeah, what if like, they took what, it? Right? What if they came? Like, what if being the elite was actually gonna be on the network, which was promised by Triple H? Like that was in their contract. Like, I don't, I don't know. know man. I don't know. Hitman Page oh, getting no. main roster money uh, on NXT, and then like, what matches would they? Would they have gone with? See, and that, and that's it's that it's sad though because it's as great as it could have been, it would have sucked at the same time. Because look at all yeah. the tremendous talent that they have yeah. right now on any roster. Point at any WWE roster, and you can yep. there's you know great talent top to bottom. And they would have signed. They would have signed in 2019 January. You would have had Boxer New Day at Mania, probably Omega and Rollins, Cody and. I don't know, someone. So what they just like everyone else. Their first year would have been great. Like Nakamura's. And then it'd be it. Yep. Then they'd AK's just be running around hitting people in the nuts. <laughs> there's only there's a, a few great things that came out of the Nakamura coming to WWE. When you cut that uh backstage interview when he was like, Men speak no English. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was amazing. That shit, I love that shit so much. Uh, speaking of recommendations, yeah. Speaking uh, of recommendations for um, great wrestling matches, boom. Douglas, yeah. I need you to send me a Douglas. I need you to send me the link. George finds all these links for me. He's a real MVP. That is a great fucking match. He is not lying. That is that's a great. Anything with Shibata is great, but mm -hmm. I've, never, I've two, never seen that, so I have to watch that. Yeah, and he and he just touched on my what if too, because my what if is what if Okada came to the WWE? Oh man, I that would have got fucked up. He'd be in a tag team with Nakamura. I I think nah, you you you'd have to do that right, man. You'd have to have yeah. him standing there on Raw with the Rainmaker and just. Come on, dude. That would get me into it. It, it, it could be good, but I think they would they would jack him up. He he, he wouldn't yeah. have that presentation that he has in New Japan or whatever. I don't think they would damn have to zoom in and zoom out on the camera when he put his arms out and all that stuff. I don't think they would emphasize the drop kick and all that shit and whatnot. You know, he, he would lose a lot of his flair and whatnot if he did ever come to WWE. I got my link. What's that for? <laughs> oh, for the match, okay. Okay, and Nick, then we got. Um, yeah, we got this comment from Eric here. When Undertaker lost the streak, that was one of the only time that WWE royally pissed me off and made me boycott WWE for a couple of months. You got damn right. <laughs> Never all the links that went around the internet, like it was botched. That wasn't supposed to happen. Blah blah blah. Yeah. I like Paul Heyman's interview he did where he basically said, who really knows if Brock yeah. went into business on his own? Mm -hmm. Can any of y'all tell us? Was it a work or was it just Brock going into business for himself? And I also like Heyman how uh, 
I also like how Nick stole his office clock and hung it on the wall behind him there. It's a nice clock, isn't it? I got it for free, for being honest. I know you stole it. You, that's what no. that, It's free when you steal it. <laughs> My buddy gave it to me. And I was like, hey, it doesn't work. Yeah. He's like, want to try to fix it? I literally just put in a one AA battery and it works. Goddamn millennials. Actually, yo, do you remember, do you remember De Leon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was him. I'm not surprised now. <laughs> very well so there you have it we have concluded our top five favorite wrestling moments matches or whatever you want to call them and whatnot and we got our what if scenarios in there i mean shit happy hey. 50 gentlemen happy 50 yes sir yes sir so I mean, what do you want to do for here? We already been running for an hour twenty minutes. I know I was, today. Do you want to run down the? Do you want to run down? Yeah, the quick, today the um, is WWE Extreme Rules twenty twenty. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I haven't been watching the product, so I'm hey, going to join the club. I'm going to bail out and uh, feed my son a bit, and I'm going to listen to what you guys think about it and keep an eye on it. But I wanted to thank you for bringing the, the historian back on and. Um, uh, keep an eye on my podcast because I'm going to be rebranding it soon. Word. There will be no more what happens next. It will be uh, a new show, new format, music, intro, and guests where um, on my podcast, I love talking wrestling, but um, you know, comic books and writing is my main passion. And that's what we talk about with uh, professional writers uh, rotating on my show. So go check it out. And I'll send you guys links. I hope you'll check out uh, the Over the Ropes trade paperback. It's coming out uh, in August. So yeah, I'm on that. A a pre-order would be a big help in making a volume two possibly happen because there's no plans for one at the moment, but they're going to have to wait and see. COVID paused the entire comic book industry for a good 90 days. Damn you! So, so we're going to see what happens, but... Um, I'll catch you guys on the flippity flop. All right, thank you, sir. Take it easy. Thanks. So no, I'll uh, I'll just run down the match quick, and we literally just say who we think is gonna win. Um, Very well. Oscar versus Sasha. I, I I'm going Oscar. Oscar. But I wouldn't be mad if Sasha won. Obviously. Yeah, I I, I would not be uh, mad as well if uh, Sasha did win, and um, I don't think she will win. Because of this, um, the background storyline that got going on mm-hmm. with uh, her and Bailey and whatnot, I think it would be cool visually and awesome, you know, historically, that we would have two double champs running all the shows and whatnot. Sasha being the Raw Women's Champion and Women's Tag Champion, and Bailey being the SmackDown Women's Champion and Tag Champion. That, that would, would be, be awesome. Pretty cool. And I said in um, w- w- let's use what Jay said, the one of those Elseworld situations and whatnot. That we would have freaking Sasha with the uh, women's title for Raw, Bailey with the women's title for SmackDown, and they have a match to have all the goddamn belts and shit. Both women's title and the tag titles and whatnot. A la Kurt Angle TNA when he had all the belts. He had the tag belts. He had the uh, the championship belt. He had the X Division title. He he had all the belts on freaking Impact at the same damn time. <laughs> That's awesome still. Who do you got, Anomaly? He said Oscar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, then we got Bailey. Eric in the chat also said uh, Sasha is going to beat Oscar. 
I wouldn't like to say that. Are you still here, Daniel? What, do you have any opinions? Have do you have a pick? I don't know if he left, but he went Oscar. I have his in front of me. Oh, very well. I don't know. I told him to send it here, but I don't know if he had to leave or something. Maybe that's okay. why I sent it quick. What you got um, next, Nick? Bailey versus Nikki Cross. I think we can skip across this because I think, once again, we're all going to think Bailey. Right? <laughs> skip across? Bailey. <laughs> um, uh, I see. And then the next one, same thing, probably Drew McIntyre versus Dolph with the mystery stipulation. Maybe we can talk about that. But I don't know if you guys saw on Instagram, The Rock kind of gave Dolph some praise. Mm-hmm. Well, he said it right there in all caps, Oscar. <laughs> Hey, um, Eric, if if you're listening to whatever, who you got out of freaking, uh, oh, you got Bailey? There you go. Yep. Then you got McIntyre versus Dolph. I think we're probably going to go McIntyre across, right? Yeah. Yeah, McIntyre. What, what I want to know what the stipulation is going to be, though, because you never know. They're having an eye for an eye match, so it could literally be anything. For some reason, I'm thinking hair. I don't know why. And A Bailey. hair match? <laughs> oh, you think it's Dolph? 1990 Tennessee? I mean... Hey, man, if this was 2014, 2013, I'd be all about Ziggler winning. And you know what? I mean, is what we get out of Dolph current day. You know, if some weird uh, circumstances would make him the champion tonight, I, I honestly, I wouldn't even really be mad. I would yeah. love it to see how the internet would explode. That would be fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> Dolph is a glorified job. I... Uh, I just I don't ever I've never seen his upside. I mean, he's a great in-ring performer, but his persona is lacking. He's he's not a star in my eye. He's never been a star in my eye. <laughs> Drew made my knees make odd girl sound. Of- <laughs> that last <laughs> bit. <laughs> next. Uh, All right, what you next, got next? The eye for the eye match. The eye for eye match, which is going to go down in history as one of the wackest matches in a WWE history. You have to pull out your opponent's eye. I'm going with Rollins. All right, so um, anomaly. See, because of matches like this, (laughs) it goes back to your statement earlier. Kayfabe died a long fucking time ago. The only eye for an eye match was Vader versus Hanson, and it was a fucking accident. Yes, that was an accident. Unless that shit happens, this match fucking sucks. I don't even want to see a winner. I hope they both lose. Yes. But you know what? It's got me intrigued to want to see. So they did their job, at least with me. Very I had to go shit. Ray's going to rip out Rollins' eye. <laughs> Oof. Dangerous. Who do you two got? Uh, I hope they both lose. Yes. Because... <laughs> If if we if, if it's an eye for an eye, then we're both blind. <laughs> Wasn't that a saying or some shit like that? <laughs> nah, the next man. one, this is the only match that really I don't care who wins, but I'm torn. Uh, a tables match for the SmackDown titles, uh, New Day versus Cesaro and Nakamura. I'm going New Day, but I wouldn't be mad to see Nakamura win this. And if Nakamura wins, I want to be honest, I want Ray because Seth will cool with an eye patch. Look like oh, if if damn if Rollins did you know lo- lose an eye, goddamn uh, he had that eye patch on that motherfucker would look like a pirate. He looked like fucking Paul Burchill or some shit like that. But uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all remember Scotty Riggs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. man, slept on Raven to hit him with the drop toe hold. His eye on a 
leg of the chair. I remember that yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going New Day. Um. But if now, mind you, if Nakamura and Cesaro win, Nakamura is only one WWE or Universal title away from being a Grand Slam champion. <laughs> oh, with that being that's, said, with that being said, I'm, I'm going Cesaro and Nakamura. Get a win, so he has another accolade, though. Yeah. We got Nakaro. Nakaro. <laughs> I like that. I'm going for Nakaro. Yeah, yeah. Who you New Day? Okay. So the next one, uh, Apollo Cruz versus MVP for the U.S. title. MV fucking P. I'm going Apollo, but I would not. No. What do you guys? Think I, I know. I know it might be Apollo, but I, you know how I feel about MVP. So I'm gonna say yeah, MVP well, nine, ten times out of ten, not nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten. I you hope know. they move forward with that faction of like Apollo end up going heel with him and Bobby. And then um, we also seen him um, uh, talking to um, Cedric Great Alexander shit. too, trying to recruit him as well. Yeah, Cedric Alexander. I'd, I'd be down with that. See, look, Eric is on the same wavelength. There you go. MVP all day. What do, you, what do you guys think of the new title? I like it. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I think I'm the only one going Apollo here. Yes, yes you are. Yeah. Montel Vontavious Porter. Mm-hmm. I hope. And then the last one we got here, a non-title Wyatt Swamp fight. Strowman versus Wyatt. I'm so going Str- Wyatt because this is going to set up for the Fiend at SummerSlam. I, and I know but, you, had, I know you uh, hadn't been... Uh, but if Strowman wins, that means Strowman's already beat him twice. That means the Fiend has to win at SummerSlam. You're not going to have the Fiend lose three times. Uh, that, that's Eric on the um, current United States title. Oof, it's a big take. But, I you know, know. I, uh, I'm going Wyatt, though, still. I or shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe Wyatt will lose. I mean, I, I like your point there about, um, you know, ultimately it ending with The Fiend and, uh, you know, The Fiend taking the um, title. And plus, it's a non-title match. So, I mean, what the fuck? You know, why yeah, even do it? Yeah, it for Wyatt to win. And then um, what I was um, thinking about, you know, I haven't been keeping up as well, but I just so happened to listen to the highly loud and rushed promo of Braun Strowman uh, for Friday. And he made some points about, you know, every mistake and uh, bad decision he's ever made in his life is embodied in The Fiend. The Fiend is all his bad choices and decisions and, you know, Everything wrong in his life that he's done is embodied in The Fiend. And I kind of like that as a storyline and whatnot. Because Braun Strowman facing Bray Wyatt, then facing um, the you know the cult leader Bray Wyatt. He's facing all these iterations of the uh, Bray Wyatt as in he's uh, challenging and fighting you know his inner demons as well. And, and The Fiend ultimately being his biggest task to beat. You know, I kind of like that. <laughs> Who you got, Anomaly? I hope Tommy Dreamer shows up and shoots them both and then shoots himself on national television. I have no desire to see this fucking match. Fuck this match. I don't either, but... (laughs) God damn. Do you think they ruined ruined Bray Wyatt since he's came back as the Fiend yet? Yeah, that's the reason you gotta go Wyatt, the non-title. The whole thing sucks. They're... I just think they're buying time till COVID 19s over. Yeah. I really do. All this shit is just buying time. And yeah. then apparently That's this match is going to be 
This match, I think, is going to be good, though, because it's going to be cinematic. The same people who did the Boneyard match are doing this. And the Firefly I didn't like one. the Boneyard match. I did not like the Boneyard match. I didn't watch the Boneyard I, match. I couldn't. You know it, why, right? You know why I didn't watch the motherfucker, right? Because that Cyrus son of a... I did not dig the cinematic Boneyard match. I didn't dig it at all. My kids made me watch it. No, my kids made me watch it, and I was like, what is this horse shit? This is not wrestling. I didn't didn't completely not see it, but I seen like little bits and pieces of it. And I heard... Visual standpoint, it looked pretty cool. But Wyatt apparently had a lot of creative with this, so he's a pretty smart dude. I think this one, and then I think the eye for an eye is a cinematic one because I don't know how they're going to pull this off. The cinematic <laughs> matches, for one, the boneyard it. match was a ripoff of of a bunch of other shit I'd already seen. Yeah. For two, the match sucked. For three, I've seen independent music videos filmed with iPhones that look better than that shit. It was not good to me. I just did not like it. I don't get what everybody else dug about it. I listened to a podcast where where Bubba Ray praised it and said it was amazing. I was like, did you see the same fucking shit I seen or are you just sucking AJ's dick? The match sucked. Let's just be honest. No one is going to want to watch this match in 20 years. No one is going to want to watch this like they want to watch Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat at Chi-Town. No one is going to want to watch this match like they want to watch Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat. Just to name Ricky and a couple more. All right. It's a fucking shit show match that was put together because of COVID fucking 19. Let's just be real. This match is not memorable. These whole little cinematic matches are not memorable. Fuck them. Well, there you go. I think Otis throwing a pie. I thought Otis throwing a pie in John Moore in the United States is pretty uh, iconic. I wish I wish y'all could have the Otis. I wish y'all could have could have heard the horns after Anomaly's rant. (laughs) WWE, I think I I might need to take a break if Otis cashes in on the fiends. Whoa, I forgot about that. That dude got the (laughs) the briefcase. I think like me who me who'll defend WWE till the day I die. Look, check it out. This is what we do. That was the worst mistake. No, no, no. This this is what we do. We have White and goddamn Strowman and the goddamn Swamp tussling and everything. And uh, I guess an alligator come up out the swamp and pull them both down and drag them deep. And then Otis just kind of lay the briefcase on the ground and walk out with the belt. Can we do that? No. (laughs) No. No. I mean, do you remember when they used to have mud wrestling matches at strip clubs? I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's what this reminds me of. Except that there's no breast and no vagina. I mean, what the fuck, dude? Who wants to see this shit? <laughs> very, very well. Very well. I'd rather see Gilbert in the street. I mean, fuck. And that's Extreme Rules. <laughs> I did shake Otis's hand, Douglas, but I don't want him beating the feet. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> I he might not be bad. I don't know. I just don't want him beating the fiend. That's all I care about. He cannot beat the fiend. Nah, fuck that. Have him cash in and have him have a one-on-one match. The fiend versus Otis. That'd be fucking great TV. I would love every minute of it. A bunch of a lot of people would be hating every minute of it. Did you watch the the New Day podcast when Biggie was talking about his dream match with Goldberg? Yeah. Big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> That's what it would be with the Fiend and Otis. 
Oh man. By the oh. way, Biggie, Biggie for uh, champ. Yeah, Biggie is. I, yes. When I seen hey, when I seen him in yeah. NXT. You see, the, you see Naomi's name trending on Twitter. Yeah. We'll see what they do with that. Mm-hmm. But that's yep. extreme rules. <laughs> that's extreme rules. Well, gentlemen. We have been through a whole bunch of extreme circumstances as far as our opinions on certain individuals and whatnot. (laughs) But we have exhausted our time for this episode. And here we are, episode 50 of Wrestling is Trash. I appreciate you gentlemen for joining me on this journey. Anomaly, Nick, uh, Jay, wherever you are. (laughs) The chat. Um. Before we go, I didn't, Jay didn't say it, but damn, where can we find you, find gentlemen on social media? Instagram and Twitter, Nick Anacelli, no Facebook. Just how you see his name here on the screen, just all one word. No Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, at Nomaly49, or you can find me on Facebook. You don't put the A on uh, Twitter, you just put Nomaly. Yeah, yeah. I had to be inventive. And under my government name on Facebook, Christopher Yates, just look for the big ass arms and the flashy attitude. Uh, my friends list is filled up like the Section 8 list waiting for, you know, housing. So get bear with me. Give me time. Oh, base housing. To get to yeah. Give me time. Oh, base housing. <laughs> hey, seriously, I got like over a thousand friend requests right now. Fucking nuts. Because you're awesome. Uh, but yeah, and, and I'm well. Thank you. I try, and I'm also very active on the wrestling is trash page. Not as active as of late because I was moving, but we might start the Monday match of the week again soon. Word, I'm down with that. Yes, sir. So, on behalf of myself, Nick Anacelli, Anomaly, and Jay Sandlin, we bid you a fond adieu, and we we'll see you next time. Go the fuck home. Peace.